ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to the Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning. I'm going to get started this morning. Welcome to our Sunrise Project weekly call. And part of our work here at the Sunrise Project is really focused on helping to reduce the stigma of mental illness and addiction, and also provide a safe space for parents to find a moment of solace and to be able to share and learn from one another in a place that's filled with love, compassion, and a mutual desire to heal our children, our families, and ourselves. So thank you for being here this morning. I'll open up with a prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This morning, it's my pleasure to introduce you again to Danielle Bukri. Danielle is one of our fantastic experts and she is a clinical social worker with a specialty in family therapy. She has three children of her own. Uh, the topic for today that Danielle will be walking us through is helping our children feel our love, understanding the five love languages. And what we all want as parents is to have loving, warm, and open communicative relationships with our children. And we often ask ourselves, I know I have many times, you know, how can he be so depressed? How can he be so sad? He has so many people who love him, such a village around him. Or, you know, why, why is she so sad? She has so much and she has everything she could ever want. Why is she so unhappy? So what we know for sure is that when kids grow from children into adolescents and then adults, they go through these huge transformations. And what we have to do is learn to adjust, um, particularly how we express and communicate our love with our children um, in a way that they can hear it, they can accept it, and they can feel it. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Danielle Bucre. Thanks, Kelly. 
Um, good morning, y'all, and, and thanks for joining us. And I'm with you today to talk about the importance of uh, loving our teenagers in a way in which they can feel the love you intend for them to receive. Um, and that, that I want to emphasize feel on purpose. You know, we, we all love our teenagers, but sometimes they'll turn around and say, you know, I don't, I don't think you love me or I don't, because they, they're not able to really feel it the way we're giving it. Our teenagers need us now more than ever. When we were growing up, the biggest fears we had were like teenage pregnancy and alcohol abuse. Today, we've added things like this intense pressure to succeed, exploration of sexual identity, you know, screen time, a rise in narcissistic behavior. It's just to name a few um, and to help them navigate this stuff. They really need us. So it's really important that we lean into them as opposed to um, kind of giving them all the space. You know, they're prickly. So, so it seems like they need space, but really we need to lean in. Um, when they push back and, and feel like they reject our involvement, we find ourselves asking, like Kelly said, you know, what did we do wrong? And we say, you know, we try to be good parents or we've given them everything. How can they do this? Well, Gary Chapman, an author um, and the man behind the idea of love languages, will tell you that their love tank is depleted. He uses the, the term love tank a lot, I think, to, to help us visualize something that's, that's empty at times, and that's, that's sometimes the problem. I'm not here saying that you don't love your kids. It's not at all the point. We know that's not true, but the reality of the situation is that thousands of teens are walking around not feeling that love. It's it's amazing. It's it's like there's a ton of love just floating in the universe waiting to be grabbed, but no one's grabbing it because they don't recognize it as love. So it isn't, isn't a matter of sincerity, but the ability to communicate love effectively so they can feel it. You might be reflecting back and thinking about uh, remembering how easy your teenagers were when they were young. You know, you gave them a hug and they smiled, like a huge, genuine smile. Or maybe you brought them back their favorite candy from the store and they ran to you at the front door to get it. Um, then they turn 12 or 13 and everything changes. You know, they transition into the teenage years and we have to adjust the way we express our love. So let's start with the given. Deep in the soul of every teenager is um, the desire to feel connected, accepted and nurtured by their parents. When this happens, your teenager feels loved. But when it does not happen, their inner emotional tank is empty. We think about, well, how can I fill that emotional tank. There are a couple of ways. First, emotional bonding fills the tank. And so this is simply time spent together. Without it, teenagers start asking, you know, what's wrong with me that my parents don't want to spend time with me? So emotional bonding includes active communication, right? Talking to them so they can be heard. Also, acceptance fills the emotional tank. So in the minds of a teenager, acceptance sounds like my parents like me. You know, and the opposite is rejection, which then leads to low self-esteem. And then unconditional love also fills the emotional tank. So we might tell them, I don't always like you, but I love you always. You know, and this should be spoken and never, ever assumed. You know, we assume because of our actions and, and maybe sometimes we tell them and all the people that love them around them that they know that they're loved unconditionally. But we really have to speak it. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? 
or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Cause we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. As parents, we need to recognize the importance of an empty emotional tank. It sometimes seems trivial, but our teenagers might think, you know, why should I stop smoking? Or why should I stop hanging out with my friends all night? They don't love me anyway. And when a teenager doesn't feel loved, he or she might find it hard to see how their negative actions affect somebody else's feelings like yours, right? And empathy becomes really difficult. So the question of the hour is how do I make my teenager feel my love? A quick, quick answer, if there is one, is that uh, to feel the love you're offering, they have to hear it in their primary or secondary love language. And Gary talks about love languages a lot. A love language is the way they receive love best, and it actually doesn't change from the time they're children to the time they're adolescents, but the way they receive it changes. So if you try to treat a teenager in the same way you did when they were 10, they'll rebel because they're triggered by the fact that you're treating them like a child. It's, it's kind of tricky, but we have to start by first having a good understanding of each of the five love languages. So I'm thankful that Kelly's recording this because there are five, but they're kind of complicated. So the, worst, the, the first is words of affirmation. Teenagers with this as their primary love language need, need positive recognition. When they become teenagers, they yearn for independence and self-identity, so our approach has to change. When this changing gets really hard, we sometimes verbally push them into submission. Um, and at times, our wording isn't very kind. We've all been there. But using harsh words are particularly bad for these kids um, who depend on words of affirmation. They become just filled with resentment. But if you have this kind of teenager in your house, you can try sincere words of praise, you know, but don't always use the same one. And when you can't praise results, praise effort. So, you know, if, if you can't tell them they're the best baseball player ever, you know, identify that they, you know, they did much better in X skill than they did um, last week. You can also use words of affection like I love you, but change it up. So it doesn't sound redundant and not genuine. You can use you're so strong or you're my sunshine or the one I love most is you inspire me. You can also use encouraging words with these kids like you'd be really good at that. You know, my Christopher is just has always been really helpful. He's that kid that, you know, when a neighbor comes over, he's going to ask them if they want something to drink immediately. Like he's just that giver. So I said, you know, I think you'd be a really good lifeguard because I see the lifeguards walking around the pool all the time, you know, helping people at the pool and cleaning up. And that's just his MO. So, you know, just to identify that skill for him really helped him a lot. And he was able to feel that love, love that way. That's just one of his, um, one of his primary love languages. The second love language is physical touch. This one's much easier to manage when they're babies, right? Cause it gets tricky later on as your kids with this, as their primary love language become teenagers, they focus on their independence and self-identity, which means you have to demonstrate this kind of physical touch at the right time, in the right place, and in the right way. It's super complicated. So expressing physical touch at the right time requires that you read their mood and respect their boundaries. So don't try to show their love through physical touch when they're angry. 
but it, they may be totally open to it when you're celebrating something. You know, expressing physical touch in the right place usually means not in front of their friends because it makes them feel like children, you know, and challenges their independence. And you don't want to do that when they're teenagers. And, uh, and expressing physical touch in the right way means you have to be willing to be flexible. Each of your children is unique, and you have to learn the right way that's most, most meaningful to him or her. It really takes time to observe. An important thing to remember about the love language of physical touch is that if it's your teen, teenager's primary love language and they don't feel it from you, they'll look to it, they'll look for it from others, which is dangerous. The next love language is quality time. So teenagers with this as their primary love language need you to give them quality time or a portion of your life, right? They require your undivided, undivided attention, and this will undoubtedly take a lot of your time. For this quality time teenager, without the quality time they need, they experience anxiety because they assume that everyone and everything is more important than they are, right? They become very insecure. I have a client like this where mom is asking me why, your do- why her daughter um, interrupts her during the workday right now when she knows she's working because they're both, um, she's doing school from home and mom is working from home. And the daughter's saying that her mom brings a, brings a laptop everywhere, right? So it's up to the mom to recognize the days that, that she just wants to know that she's important, that she's more important than the job. Right, So these teenagers whose primary love language is quality time need to feel like they're the focus of your attention. Focus on giving them eye contact, you know, positive language, body language that makes them feel connected. Quality conversations are critical to the teenager, um, which is totally different from their childhood years, right? We have to make sure we're talking to, with them instead of to them or at them. We have to put everything down and focus completely on them. So no multitasking, though it's a great skill that a lot of us have, you know, at this point with these kids um, in particular, we have to focus completely on them, listen and actively confirm their feelings, right? And that means asking reflective questions and actually asking permission to share your perspective because at times they, they won't want it. They'll just want to kind of vent or, or, you know, share with you, not everything. They're not always asking for a solution. And this shows them respect. Don't be afraid to share your past to allow them to know you better, right? Let them know that the, the close to perfect adult that stands before them was once a lost, unsure teenager, right? If it feels uncomfortable at first, you're probably doing it right because it's not natural. And the more obvious ways of spending quality time is to, like, attend their events and be mindful doing so. Even if you have to go to their band concert and listen to four hours of what we'll call developing musicians and your teenager plays for only only 10 minutes, go happily, right? Don't go showing any resentment or rolling your eyes. Like make sure that they know that you want to be there. The fourth love language is acts of service. Teenagers with this as their primary love language appreciate when things are done for them. Um, The trick to these teenagers is for us to make sure your acts of uh, service come with love and not resentment, right? We can hire a moving company to move our teenager to another city for college and then use it against them later, right? I did this for you. Um, We want to make sure that we don't show this kind of like manipulation. It only backfires on you um, and it'll ultimately strain the relationship. So we want to make sure that, uh, that we don't do that with, 
these kids whose primary love language is acts of service. The last love language is receiving gifts. Now, this is similar to acts of service and that gifts have to be given with no resentment and no um, manipulative purposes. Gifts shouldn't be given as payment for good deeds and shouldn't require anything in return. So teenage, teenagers with this as their primary love language appreciate gifts given with some kind of like ceremony or announcement. For example, if I go to CVS and bring back Skittles for my son, because I know they're his favorite, I might say, here, baby, I saw these and I thought of you. Right? So it's a little bit of an acknowledgement of like, I, I, I'm giving this to you because I recognize that it's special to you. Net-net, teenagers actually need all five love languages at some time, but their primary love language is critical. So it's important for you to know that, but the secondary one is equally important. You know, if you find yourself thinking, I'm doing the same thing I used to do and she isn't responding, it's time to change your approach. So keep that in mind. So there are a couple of ways you can learn your teenager's love language. You can, of course, go online and have them take one of the many online quizzes. I would preface this with acknowledgement that you're um, working on being a better parent to him or her. So when you ask them to take the quiz, you say, you know, I'm, I'm working on being a better parent to you. And I came across this quiz that will help me understand you better. Some teenagers, it might be happy that you're willing to try and do better. But some teenagers, some of your teenagers might see this as less than completely genuine. Do you want to know your kid? There are some other ways to figure out their love language a little bit more naturally, right? First, the first way is to ask questions. Remember, your teenagers are more likely to share desires than actual feelings. It's harder to share feelings and to really be in touch with feelings. So try asking them for general feedback as you would during like a job, at, job evaluation. You know, ask if you could change one thing about me as your mom, what would it be, right? Then restate their answer to make sure that you understand, understood it correctly and that they feel heard. Or you can ask who's your best friend and why. This will help you understand their values and friendship, which will help you learn a little bit about what they need from their friends and people who love them. If you're not comfortable asking those questions straight out, you can make observations yourself based on their behavior. You know, if your daughter or son is spending time during the same place making handmade gifts for their friends, it might mean that their love language is receiving gifts because they're doing as they'd like to receive love. Another way to try identifying their love language is kind of like a test and learn. You know, take physical touch, for example, and spend... I don't know, spend a week focusing on one love language and watch their response. You know, give them options and see what they choose and record their patterns. This is a little bit more of like a research project, but hey, we're in, we're in quarantine, a lot of us, so why not? You know, love is the single most important thing you can give your teen. But if you give love in a way that your teenager can't receive it, you'll both become extremely frustrated. Take some time to learn their love language and start approaching them differently. Love is everything. And if you want to learn more about, about love languages in general and the role of independence and self-identity in your teenagers, which is really what brings them from like these cute little creatures to these prickly teenagers, it's a really good idea to pick up um, Gary Chapman's books. He has, you know, this whole notion of love languages started with relationships, but he's expanded the concept. Well, it started with 
adult relationships. And, and now he's expanded it to children and teenagers. So I would definitely check out his work and pick up his book. It's actually called uh, Five Love Languages for Teenagers, I believe, or with Teenagers. Before I close, I want to acknowledge that for most of us, the thinking's a little different. So give yourself permission to struggle a little bit. Um, take care of yourselves, especially this time of year. So you can only take care of your teenagers when you're well. Okay. Thanks, Kelly. If we can open it up for questions, that would be great. And actually, if moms and dads on the phone want to share how they're taking care of themselves during the stay in place, I think that would be really helpful too. Great. Thank you, Danielle. So reminder for our guests that have called in, if you'd like to say something or ask a question or have a comment on self-care, I'd say for me, um, taking long morning walks has been really helpful for me in terms of starting the day, talking to God, praying, you know, having some fresh air. That's been really helpful for me. And also being in the sun. Yeah, this question is for Danielle. Can you talk a little bit about uh, evaluating and determining love languages for um, early to middle 20s young people? Sure. By this point, right, we've, we've hopefully been able to kind of reflect back on the teenage years and think about, because the love language of your your child, your teenager, it doesn't change. Even when they get into their young 20s, it's just the way you approach it that changes, right? But it's okay to kind of do a reset and hold a family forum, for example, and and do that like vulnerability test that I was talking about. Like admit that you want to do better and you want to understand them better. And so things are going to change a little bit, but you need to better understand them and then ask them the questions like, if I could have been or could be now, you know, a better parent for you, what would that look like? Like, what do you, what do, what do you need? And see what they say. I, I think especially with the young 20s, it's actually probably more productive to do the natural investigations than, um, than the online quiz. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. What do you do if you see overlap? For instance, both boys fill out a questionnaire and nothing came out as a, um, a glaring, you know, lead in terms of the five. Mm -hmm. So do you just then say, okay, I'm going to, I believe it's words of affection versus what? time or do you, do you just guess based on your observation, which is what you were just saying? Well, yeah, I do think, first of all, a lot of people come out with like a top two or sometimes three I think all, all of our teenagers could probably benefit from all five love languages, right? As I've talked about the fact that, you know, love is, is primary, but it's actually better when they come out with a top two or a tie because then you can switch, right? You can use multiple love languages so that they're not always hearing the same thing. For example, if your child's top one is words of affirmation, and you, because, you know, you're practicing, you keep on every, you know, every couple of hours, you're like, I love you. You're so great. It starts sounding redundant and sometimes not genuine. 
you know, to the teenager. So then you switch up and you use the other one. I think, I think it's actually great if they wind up having two or three strong love languages, then you have options. Okay. I know for myself in terms of self-care, you know, I, I sit in front of my computer now all the time because that's the way I do my sessions. So I found myself very sedentary. So I've recently, probably about a week ago, started working out regularly and intentionally in the morning again. And that for me helps me get through my day. So that's what I'm doing for me and hope to do longer term, of course. But it also, you know, gets those chemicals going in my body to help me with my patients during the day when I have, you know, five adults in a house and feel like I can't escape except for a, a walk every once in a while. So it's, it's, uh, that's been good for me as well. Good morning. I have a question, Danielle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As a mother or caretaker, I'm an auntie, actually. I have, I have a high school senior, a niece, who is going through this, this experience with us all um, and being quarantined, who is missing out on graduation, missing out on prom, missing out on, um, you know, what it is to be a high school senior. She's also now beginning to, you know, she, she doesn't watch the news necessarily, but, you know, she's on her phone all day. So she's really beginning to um, pay attention. I, I can't even say begin. She may have always been paying attention to what the news is saying about this virus, maybe even spilling over into the fall and, and what that might mean for her freshman year. Um, she's going to Mizzou here in Missouri and, you know, very, very smart kid. We're excited for her, but I can see her concern and her worry and, you know, just kind of beginning to, when she's depressed. I mean, mm-hmm. she is. And so I don't know. I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite sure that, that if anyone knows any, any, any child that is going through um, uh, their senior year, their graduation, what they're missing out on. I mean, if there's anything, I don't know that there's love languages that can actually um, address this or any advice at all that you can give for us to, um, to help her to process this because we're all processing this day by day, the entire, you know, situation. So just wanted to see if there's anything you can uh, add to that. Right. I'm, I'm sure I'm so truly positive that, uh, that your niece is not alone. Right. Um, I think you talk about depression, it's probably a little bit of anxiety going on there too, about, you know, what's next? She's entering college for the first time. What is that going to look like? And none of us really know. So we can't ensure her that everything's going to be all right, because really we don't know the answer to that. So um, my heart goes out to those kids. But in terms of love languages in particular, right, her love language hasn't changed. So to identify whatever Um, that love language is and shower her with that will be really important right now. But also, you know, and this is talking back to the, the anxiety of the situation, help her stay in the moment, right? Our, Our kids need to start practicing some, some mindfulness, you know, using meditation if they want to, but if not, you know, like the, the walks Kelly was talking about are really helpful. Help her stay in the here and now, Right. And identify maybe some things that are a little bit more tactical 
that she can uh, start implementing and structuring her day around, especially if she's graduating from high school, there isn't a lot of schoolwork to be done anymore. So really it's about planning for the future, but not so far into the future that she gets into the unknown, you know, so maybe it's in, I don't know if she's crafty, but maybe it's, you know, painting a canvas to put up in her, you know, dorm room when she gets there. Things that to distract her from the inevitable chaos that is outside her front door. I, I think that the, the answer is to help her stay present. And it's, it's good exercise for all of us, actually, to, to stay present in the present moment because we, we don't know about tomorrow. I have a question around if, if you know your son is words of a, a words of affection person and you know that positive, you know, uh, loving sentiments and all those things that you talked about earlier would really mm -hmm. work. But yet you're constantly really upset with that person and really angry. How do you move past that and say things that are really wonderful without it feeling like it's not authentic? Right, right. Um, so words of affirmation is tricky because you, you definitely don't want to use them when you're angry or when there's conflict, right? That, that's not, it's, it's not going to come out very genuine, but those words that are encouraging are much better, a much better approach, right? So the ones that I said about, uh, you know, you identifying what they'd be really good at or even a little sarcastically, like that, you know, that was a really good comeback. Maybe you want to think about law. You know, it, it, it's just literally showing a little bit of like kindness and the fact that you believe in them, maybe telling them that, you know, recognizing, I know you're having a really tough time right now. You know, even if you're angry, you know, we're having a tough time right now, but I know that you're this kind of person, or I know that you're that kind of person and we'll get through it. Right. It doesn't always have to feel like a warm teddy bear, but you do have to let them know that, you know, you believe in them. That's really what affirmation is about, that you love them and you believe in them and they need to hear it, you know, regardless of, of negative feelings that are in the house at any one time. For these kids, you really want to stay away from harsh words. I think that that's equally impactful, not what you're saying, but what you're not saying. Hi, yeah. I have a question. So I have a, a 23, 20, and a 17. So this question is really about my 23, and I'm going to use your advice and speak to her about, you know, her preferred love language and trying to um, improve my parenting style with her. It's just been really difficult um, since we are sheltering at home, she has to come back from a program that she was doing abroad. And I get that mm -hmm. she's depressed and disappointed, but there's a lot of disrespect happening. And I've had some one-on-ones with her expectations chats, you know, with love, usually on Sundays, which is after, you know, I've done my worship, et cetera. So my question is, in, in chatting with a young adult who is really ready to exert her independence but financially isn't able to, where is it appropriate or how can I explain to her the love language that I need from her, right? So I'm prepared to go to her and say, you know, what is your love language? Let's talk. What do you need from me? But then in turn, as a young woman, is it okay for me to share with her, this is the love language that I need from you, and I need some tips on how to do that? Yeah. You know, I think I spoke earlier a little bit about, you know, when they become teenagers even, Right. We've got to shift our communication style a bit to be a little bit more inclusive. 
right? And a little bit more um, sharing. The older they get, the more they appreciate, you know, conversations that are a little bit more eye to eye. So as your daughter's now past the teenage years, right? Now she wants more of a relationship with you. And it's more important than ever that she realizes that when you were her age, you weren't as put together as, as you are today, right? So, so it starts there. But when you are having these conversations with her, it's okay to, to ask her about, the, ask her the questions she needs to, or that you need to identify her love language, but then say, oh, I, that's interesting. You know, for me, I really feel love when I blah, blah, blah. And it's completely appropriate to share that. Not so much in a way where it puts the responsibility in her hands. Like you don't, you want to stay away from, you know, you should tell me you love me more or you should do, let them figure out, you know, whether they're going to read the book or go online or figure it out for themselves by a general search, how they're going to show you what you need. But it is, I would encourage you actually, it's, it's more than okay to share with her that, yeah, my, my love language is physical touch. That's why I'm always trying to hold your hand or that's why I'm always trying to like, you know, sit on the couch together because that's the way I receive love. Totally. Especially for the, those on the phone with older kids, I would totally put it out there so that they know. And it's a really good conversation to have with our 20 somethings as they're, entering more serious relationships, you know, lifelong relationships, whether it be friends or boyfriends or girlfriends, that they understand that everybody has a love language and that the only way that person is going to feel the love that you're giving is if you're talking in one of the love languages that they can receive. So I think that's a lesson that everybody can learn and they can only become stronger people because of it. Thank you for asking. That was a good question. Hi, Danielle, and I have another question. I know a lot of friends, and, and again, as an auntie, I have um, a nephew that is competitive in sports. And, um, again, with COVID happening, um, AAU is not happening. And he is a, you know, ball is life for him. And that's mm-hmm. usually when he gets his affirmations of, you know, um, from us. Well, yeah, that's what he thrives on. You know, yeah. the, the, the cheering crowd, the, I mean, he's a star player on the team on top of that. Yeah. You know, um, even if a kid wasn't a star player, it's the competitive nature, it's the, you know, just the camaraderie, but also just the pats on the back. How do we substitute that with the love language? Yeah, That's so big, yeah. our athletes in general are going through an extra tough time, right, because they aren't allowed to do what they love most um, and what gives their life structure. You know, it's a really tough time. So the, the fortunate thing is that most of your athletes, especially if he's, you know, a serious athlete, he's still working out. He's still going for runs. He's still doing things. So words of affirmation can and should still be used. Absolutely. You're never going to substitute a chat, a crowd of hundreds of people like, screaming his name that's probably not going to happen but you can use similar words of affirmation like wow you know you you're really working out i see your six pack whatever coming in to acknowledge the fact that his hard work is paying off 
right? And that you're noticing the positive things. That's really the whole point of words of affirmation is for them to feel recognized and seen um, and loved. So you, you can substitute, but don't expect it for it to be a one, one-to-one ratio. There's just so much you can do, but you can absolutely still recognize the good stuff that he's doing. And maybe the words of affirmation you give to replace it has nothing to do with the athletics. Maybe it's more I love you. Maybe it's recognition of the, um, the hard work he's putting, you know, into his schoolwork um, right now when things are difficult. So if words of affirmation are his thing, you can still give it even though he's not getting it from the broader general public and on the basketball court. Hello. Yeah. Thank you for talking to us about these uh, languages of love. And my question is, can you give us some examples of how these languages might change when our children are going through different bouts? Uh, For example, the words of affirmation, when our daughter is in a deep depressive mode, how it is that we provide these words of affirmation or how it is that she receives them change as a result of, you know, the, the mood disorder. And I know there are many permutations of this, but I'm just wondering if there are a couple of, couple of examples of how we can do our best uh, under different circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I, the case you're talking about comes into play. What comes into play here for me is the multiple love languages that Kelly was talking about that, you know, a kid may score and the scores may look like they have like two or three that measure about the same, right? So this is when you pull into your, um, your toolkit of love languages, if you will, and use multiple approaches to get to the same. So if for some reason, maybe your daughter or son is finding it difficult to get out of bed, you know, that, that, that their depression is, is really getting, getting pretty high, you know, and you know that that child's love languages are words of affirmation and physical touch, for example. So for you to encourage them to maybe come out and do something with you and sit on a couch together um, and kind of snuggle might be one thing, regardless of age, right? Or for you to just casually, you don't have to throw the I love yous out because they're making a bagel in the kitchen, but you know, when they're getting up in the morning, hey, you're looking good, love you. And when they're leaving the room or when they're going to sleep or back to their room, okay, well, if you need anything, let me know. Love you. All those things you can still use regardless of emotional state, right? But I would encourage you to to experiment between love language during those harder times to see what's going to hit at that particular time. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hello. Good morning. I want to say thank you so much for your generosity and your love and your leadership. These calls have been so amazing. Thank you so much. My question is, so I have a soon-to-be 19-year-old who's really not very resilient. Uh, We've tried to work on his resiliency over the years. He's very fragile, and our relationship is always on thin ice. So my question to you is, how do I communicate? How do I keep the love languages flowing when I have to communicate with him about something that he doesn't want to hear. And when he hears that he shuts down. And I mean, when I say shut down, I mean, 
pop it in place. I mean, block me off his phone. I mean, we're not completely, you know, build, he builds a complete wall around himself. I cannot get to him at all in any sense of the word. The most recent example is he got a speeding ticket in my car. So I sent a very nice text. Hey, oh my goodness, the camera, speeding camera, gotcha. You know, we need to take care of this one. But then he blocked me <laughs> on his phone. <laughs> and we ha- he hasn't spoken or, you know, won't acknowledge, you know, there's been no communication for three weeks. So how, how do I try any of the love languages when he's completely um, turned me away? So love languages is something that probably isn't supposed to be used as a tool, like a one-time tool, right? So in this certain case where he's shut down, really, and he's, he's, you know, stonewalling a little bit, not wanting to engage, maybe an approach would be to ask him, you know, even though he's not talking to you, you can still talk to him, to ask him, like, how much time he needs. Like, I understand that you need your time because you're not happy, but how many, how much time do you need before we can talk about this? Or, you know, to kind of put the ball, give him a little bit of, of, um, of independence in the situation. But love languages, I, I'm not sure what his primary love language is, or if you know, but you can still give him words of affirmation. He'll still take it in, even though he may not respond to it immediately. Right. You can well, still at some level do physical touch, but probably not so much. Well, so Danielle, um, he doesn't live with me. Oh, so he doesn't live with me. So he, well, he's not living with me right now. And so I have no way to communicate with him since he's blocked me from his phone. So I guess my question is, at some point he will reach out because he's an 18 year old, soon to be 19 year old and is not financially independent. But um, as Mama would say, at some point <laughs> he's gonna need you. He will. So my, he will. He so will. my You're question right. is, how do I respond? And I, I agree with you. We have. I'm not, I've tried not to use love language as a tool, but tried to communicate with him in the various ways to to demonstrate, you know, that I do love him unconditionally. Uh, in, in past courses, I've when when he does something like this and he eventually comes back home, so to speak. I just kind of, we don't really address it because I'm so afraid that if I bring bring up this thing that triggered it, then we shut down again. Sometimes yeah. I'm able to, but so that's my, you know, how do I keep it going? But like a soon to be a young adult, there are things that will be unpleasant that we have to discuss. Yeah, I agree. In terms of getting him, it's let him go through the process right now. Let him go through his own process. And you're right, he will come back. Um, but when he does come back, and it's a, it's a period of calm, I would have kind of the family forum that I was talking about earlier. But during that family forum, if this is common behavior or his common reaction, I would point it out and say, you know, help me help you. Like, what do you need during these times? Like, just literally put it in his, his court for him to tell you, what he needs during that time. And if he doesn't know, it's okay for you to suggest some things. Like, do you need, do you need space? And if you need space, you know, as we know, it's important sometimes for folks when they get irritated to need space, ask for space, but then just say, I just appreciate it. If you could tell me how long you need 
So, you know, mom, I need like two days, you know, let's talk at the end of the weekend, right? And you'll respect that space, but he has to come back to the conversation. So it's, it's about managing, but now is probably not the time to get resolution. Let him go through his process, but then it's really important to say, you know, and especially because he's entering adulthood, right? It's perfect timing to have that conversation of, okay, how are we going to, and I say we on purpose, how are we going to act differently? So what do you need from me and what can I give? What do you need from me? And this is what I'd appreciate from you. That's a, it's a great time to have that conversation. Thank you so much. You're amazing. Thank you. No worries. I was just going to say, I have a similar, we have similar issues with our eldest, although he's here, you know, living with us. And I had a conversation with another one of our experts a few weeks ago about something very similar and something she said really resonated with me, which was around giving him space, really just giving him space completely and allowing him to be. But what I'm not clear on, and I love the advice that Danielle just shared as well, but I'm not clear on exactly how to re-engage, you know, out of those negative spaces. And after three weeks, that's really hard. Like, I, I'm not sure. So I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. How to re-engage? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's probably best to call a spade a spade when things are calm, right? Yeah. So, you know, re remember three weeks is a long time. So, you know, you can start with, you know, do you remember when this happened? Or I was really concerned when this happened. You know, tell me a little bit about that and give them the stage, right? Give them the stage to express themselves, express what they think happened, what they heard in the moment, how they were feeling, if they are, they're able to express that. But give them the stage to talk to you instead of you talking to them. But I think that, that this idea of managing conflict in the family is really important. So to sit down and say, okay, I get this is your MO, like this shutting down thing, but, you know, why do you shut down? And what do you need? Like, because this is what I need, right? And it's okay for you guys to have needs as well and for them to know what they are and why you need them, right? It's not because I said so. It's because I love you and because I'm worried, right? So, you know, especially it sounds like a lot of people on the phone have teenagers that are at the end of their teenage years. And so this is another transition point for us to really respect their independence and self-identity, you know, regardless of the fact that, you know, sometimes we're like, he's acting like he's 10 and that's okay, but he's really not 10. He's 19, he's 20, he's 22. So, so to respect that with a conversation is really, really important to redefine your, your family. Hi, Danielle. I wanted to jump in, but also ask you a question in regards to the love languages for older students. What I've, I did, and I don't know if the parents have had the opportunity on the line, is to find out what our love languages were in our family. And what I noticed for my now 18-year-old is that he, his love language, his strongest one, was uh, to be served. And so for me, I was like, okay, I see that you want to be served, and I'm available to serve you. However, 
my love language is more important for me. And so we have to find a way to communicate because uh, I don't mind serving you, but I need words of affirmation. I need mm. uh, uh, touch. And so how are we going to work together? And it took a long time for him. But I also, the question is, is that while he's 18, I realized just because of dynamics in our family that his emotional intelligence is 12 mm-hmm. because that's when the trauma hit. And mm-hmm. while I'm looking at a physical, uh, an intelligent, you know, young man at 18, his emotional intelligence is 12. Mm-hmm. So how do you recommend, suggest, or look at tools for us of closing that gap? Because uh, like uh, the woman before us said, you know, she doesn't have communication. She doesn't see him. He's 19, but there's probably some triggers that even though he's physically 19, he's not emotionally 19, but his love language might be showing as a 10 year old, as opposed to a 19 year old. Do you have any recommendations mm-hmm. around that? I think that it, it's tricky, but love languages, like, don't change, right? So if you're talking about a kid with acts of service, mm-hmm. as they still have – it's so important to treat him as a young adult and not a child, even though he's presenting himself with the emotional intelligence of, you know, a 12-year-old, right? Because it, it's, emotional intelligence is complicated, and it can, it can be really, really difficult for some kids to really kind of get on board with it. So we are also great examples. So if you treat him with a high level of emotional intelligence, he'll take it in. He'll take it in. He'll learn from it. He may not be progressing in a way that you'd like him to progress at a rate that you'd like him to progress, but he will get there. So that's kind of what I was saying earlier about leaning in as well. Like, it's okay for you to keep working and not retract, right? Just just keep doing the work and they will they will progress, right? But it's that's a, that's a tough one and it's very individual. Okay. Right. Thank you for that. I just we are um, sure. unfortunately out of time, but is there one last comment or question? Yes. I just wanted to make one last comment about the affirmation. Um, we talked a lot about, about verbal, but don't forget about written word. And so sometimes when things are heated and maybe the exchange can't be there in the verbal moment, that written word of affirmation also helps. I have an example of where um, I wrote my son a letter, uh, like just it was his birthday, and I wrote something um, in a card for him. He has it posted on his wall. He's 22. And that was not something, he's not been that kid all of his life. But in listening to this call, he has been the kid that appreciates the words of affirmation. And it's been a little bit more of a struggle to just give it so easily. So written word can also help, I think. I love that. That's a great, great addition. And that's one of those ways when, where I talked about finding different ways to express their love language. That, that's a great addition. Thank you. Can I share something with the um, mom who talked about her son uh, is a top athlete and now he doesn't have the ability to 
um, to, to perform, to compete. What I can say as a, as a top athlete looking back on my career, one of the things that really lands for me is my drive and my uh, desire to compete and to succeed was really about the affirmation from my parents. And, and so to, to be able to transition some of the things that he did on, or does on the court or the field to the work that he's doing in the classroom and the work that he's doing around the house and that these, these skills are transferable might really resonate with him at a time when he's not getting that, um, that affirmation from the outside world as it pertains to his athletic ability. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Any last comments before we wrap up for today? Thank you for those last comments. I really appreciate it. Um, well, I would love to close with a prayer. And I first want to say thank you to Danielle Boucre for um, lending her advice and sharing insights around the five love languages. So thank you so much. And thank you all for being here and sharing your stories and advice. Really appreciate that. So our prayer for today is sometimes we find ourselves in situations and wonder if God is paying attention. We may feel so alone, so depressed, and so confused about what to do next. We may not feel God's presence and we need his guidance and help. The wonderful truth is we don't have to feel all alone. Wherever we go, God is there with us, working out the problems and we don't even realize it. He is with us, leading us, guiding us, loving us, providing for us, all with his unlimited resources. It is essential that we realize how much he loves us and that he has a good purpose and plan for us. We can trust God no matter what is going on in our lives at this moment and no matter what is going on with our children and our families. He is there, he will be there, and he will protect all of us. Amen. And thank you so much again, and we will be back next week. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps.